This is Managing E-Learning with Dr. John Allickson and Matt Herpold. Welcome to Managing E-Learning. I am excited to introduce a friend and client of ours, John Poulter, who will be joining us today. He is the LMS Administrator from the Association for Medical Technologists. John, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks, John. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys today. No, not a problem. Been bothering you a lot to uh, meet, chat, present. I'm looking forward to our session later this fall as well. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So can we start with you kind of telling us a little bit about uh, the American Medical Technologist Group? Probably got that butchered, didn't I? AMT. <laughs> AMT. Oh, well, um, you know, uh, as the name states, we are an association for medical technologists. Pretty straightforward. Um, we offer a slew of different certifications uh, for medical technologists, registered phlebotomy technicians. Our actual um, largest group is for registered medical assistants, so RMAs. Uh, we have about 80,000 current members within our ranks there, and we have a you know small staff of about 50 people. We're located in Rosemont, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. With those 80,000 members, kind of the situation with them is they come to us when they need to be registered. So we go out and have a business or sales group that works with hospitals and schools and other places that say, Hey, we would like, you know, our students or our employees to have registration through your company. So then they'll come uh, through us. So a big part of that is our LMS that we're going to talk about today. And how do we offer continuing education out to those people? It's kind of unique in our situation as some of our competitors, they make you take their training, but we actually allow our members to either get their training from an outside source, whether their current business offers it, or mm-hmm. um, they find free CE online, or you know we have them come back through us. So we definitely you know see it from a lot of different angles. Not common where you kind of, let the members select. So that, that's really nice there. You've worked with a number of different learning management systems for quite some time. Can you share your experience, history, managing learning management systems? Uh, yeah, definitely. About 12 years now, I've been in the learning and development field. Um, kind of like most people I've talked to within it is they kind of just fall into it. It's really <laughs> not something that becomes, you know, a career path right out of college or anything like that. Um, I was actually working for a John Deere dealership group in Iowa. And as they were growing, the John Deere corporate came to them and said, hey, you need to have more of a focus on learning and development and how you train everybody within your businesses. So at that point in time, they opened up a position and I interviewed and, you know, kind of hit the ground running there, really didn't know what I was in for, where to go really kind of built it from the ground up within that. And that kind of gave me my first view into a learning management system. There wasn't a lot we could do with it then, or a lot I could get into it. It was, you know, corporate managed, but I knew it was there. And that really brought me into discovering more about e-learning and the tools that go into that and how they're building these online learning. So that led me to, you know, move on after a few years. And I was working for a, um, aerospace company in their IT department uh, doing training there as well. That was my first really getting into an LMS on a corporate level. So it was run through more of the HRIS system, things like that, where I could do all the scheduling and doing that, and then decided to shadow with their team there just to see what happens on the administrative side, the back end. And that really kind of got me excited to know that, you know, 
I don't really, I can still stay in learning development, but don't have to particularly do uh, in-person training, different things like that. I was doing a lot of new hire onboarding. So really wanted to move back into that technical field. So that um, led me to moving out to Chicago, finding an LMS administrative job that was solely based on that. It was with a company called Stericycle. They're a healthcare company. You've probably seen them in any hospital you've been in, anything like that. They do all of the like for throwing away gloves and needles and different things like that, all the boxes that you'll see in the rooms and the disposal of that. So that was actually really big, managed about 25,000 employees. It was a little bit different since, yeah, it was all internal. We didn't have to deal with the kind of things we'll talk about later within an association of selling things out and using e-commerce, things like that. It was more regulated and how do we keep compliance up within the industry? And then after that, I saw the opportunity to move into this role. I saw AMT was offering opportunity there where I was going to get more of a chance to manage the overall system, make decisions on a higher level and kind of make that step up in my career to where it wasn't just I'm managing the system, but I'm also, you know, working with the vendors such as UMAT and um, WebCourseWorks and you know, coming up with how, how do we grow this business? How do we grow our online footprint? Sure. So uh, AMT, American Medical Technologists, they've been ahead of the curve. You've utilized the course state system with different types of course offerings. Can you share a few of the different course offerings? So we, we try to fit it into every different type of learning style. So we do see where we have you know, an older audience, and then that want more of our PDF type articles that we put into, um, it's called our AMT Pulse magazine. We send that out, it comes out three times a year. So then we post those articles online where they have a quiz that they have to pass at the end of it. And then we move in, we have like our practice exams and our review materials. Right now we sell four practice exams that are mainly used for schools and other um, organizations where they have new students that are going out and trying to pass this to move into the field. Some of the other things we offer is in our um, interactive e-learning, this one kind of falls over with a whole slew of different courses. We have our conference recordings from our AMT annual meetings, probably for the last 10 to 15 years that they've had that. Well, they'll take just a session and put it on a PowerPoint quiz, and then you can watch that. And then we're really starting to move into the interactive e-learning, where now we've kind of gone from when I first started almost three years ago, having just two instructional designers, we're going to have up to five now on our team that are going to be so focused on delivering. Oh, um, wow, that, that's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, I, I was very surprised. It's definitely the most I've seen on a team. So, you know, sky's the limit for us <laughs> where we're going with this. Yeah, then, so it, it sounds, John, like you're, uh, as a learning business, you're doing quite well then. Uh, yeah, yep. I, I think that we're, we're making the right steps to move forward. And like I'd mentioned before, I, I think we're, seeing the transition now from an older workforce to a younger workforce who, you know, they want to have everything at the tip of their fingers. They want to be able to go on their phone and take the training, you know, when they want to take it, be able to do that, not to have to be tied down to a desk or anything like that. You know, they, they want it now. I'm a big purveyor, you know, looking into new products like YouTube style learnings. How do we do that? Just quick hit videos, things like that, that we can deliver out um, even offering some of those is just, you know, a free, you know, 
added bonus for being a member. Yeah, tell, tell me a little bit about the business plan. So you're making an investment by hiring more human resources to build out course material. Is there, is this, is there a business plan you're following as the board approved, you know, a certain direction and is willing to invest or are you organically financing this growth? I'd have to say it's a little bit of both. So kind of where we're at right now is once we made that transition over from Broadway, uh, when I first came into our Carnegie platform, it's, it's really broadened our horizons and what we can do. So when we made that first step, when I came in, we reviewed all of our business rules and we had to say what's working and what isn't working. So kind of that first step was when we moved to Carnegie, we removed uh, tests, went from one attempt to three attempts, which that saw a huge increase in people coming back and wanting to take our training, knowing that you know, they wouldn't have to buy it two or three times if they weren't able to pass it. We had some other restrictions on um, expiration dates. We removed all of those from our training. So we're allowing people to take things when they need to not have to have a certain set time. Uh, other ones we had were grade restrictions, just kind of some things that were <laughs> needed to be removed if you, you know, got a 50% or less before you weren't able to retake a course. So kind of removing some of those restrictions for our members and just making it easier for them. Some of the other big stuff is updating our catalog and having advanced searching options. I can remember when I first came into AMT and I went to search for a course on my first week and I typed in step articles and an AMT cookbook came up and <laughs> I didn't know what it was. It was a cookbook of old church recipes <laughs> that was there. So we figured we needed to put a little bit more focus on how do people uh, obtain this training and get it easily. And But one of the big things I can tell you is uh, we've taken a large step in working with our marketing department and really partnering with them and coming up with solutions. How do we use social media and push out our trainings and make sure people even know it's out there? Um, before I started, there wasn't any of that. We weren't really focused on that. So those are kind of the internal things we did. And now we're really focusing on, like you mentioned, the business plan. We can talk about this a little bit with subportals coming out. So we found this um, is going to be, could be huge for us to be able to go through and actually market it to uh, where we're looking at not only uh, schools and different areas that they could use that, where they could come in, purchase a subportal for their students and have it um, personalized, right, for them to go in take practice exams, things like that, that's already set up, you know, click of a button, they log in, automatically enrolls. And then also looking at our state societies, which is a, a huge thing for us. We have, I there's probably, I think there's at least 15 state societies that we have around the country and they're different groups. And how do we utilize sub portals to allow them to come in and have personalized um, learning just for their areas. I mean, we have places like California and Florida with such strict laws and different trainings that they have to take. And, you know, it'd be great to be able to just personalize a little portal for them and to have mm -hmm. something that we could set up even similar to how we did the online annual meeting and being able to allow them to go in and do some sort of personalized annual meeting within their area. I, I actually wanted to ask about the annual meeting. So is everything's always kind of looked at as the pre and post pandemic life. Can you share a little bit about how the annual meeting went, 
how the decision went to go virtual, those types of items? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the decision was probably a no-brainer <laughs> that we needed to do something after not having our annual meeting in 2020. So mm-hmm. we didn't have it then. Moving into the virtual platform, I mean, you guys really made it easy having the ability to work with our established LMS and you guys as a vendor and having your expertise in the area of how do we actually go about building this? Well, one of the big things we saw our annual meeting used to only have about 300 participants. It was mainly the state delegates that would come every year and that would, that was about it. And it would be at a location across the country, be all in person. So we saw over 5,000 people with our first annual meeting. Some of this was probably driven by the fact that we did make a financial decision to give, you know, credits for free for attending, being the first time, being the time that it was within the pandemic, you know, to really help our um, uh, member base out. So, you know, having over 5,000, I thought that it was incredible how we handled the meeting. You know, uh, we tried to do it where it was kind of a hybrid on demand and uh, with a live feel to it. So we worked with a recording company. You know, you guys know we got all of our sessions recorded and loaded those up into the LMS, but then also offered them with a chat session during a posted time. So if you wanted to go there and have a Q&A with the presenter, you could and have that feel of, a live online event. And then also, I mean, with some of the other things we were able to do, having a couple live Zoom sessions in there. So we had our board meeting, a meeting of delegates, and then a student only meeting that we had where they could go in and they do a quiz bowl. Um, We Mm -hmm. uh, utilize that with a online program called Kahoot. Okay. So yeah, definitely. I thought very successful in, in how we handled everything. And we actually, our post survey showed that people not only would come back, but they would actually pay for the experience to come back in years to come. Nice. That, that's great feedback. That was actually my next question is what, what you are hearing from the attendees, your member base, those types of items. So that's wonderful to hear. We touched a little bit on the subportal piece, the, the reaching out to different groups, maybe the other places within the organization. Are there any other new programs, use cases, anything on the horizon for AMT that might be cutting edge or new? Well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, we, I actually started to dive into the H5P feature mm-hmm. that you guys have within the LMS. So really excited about this. Um, we're always looking for opportunities to come up with new study materials, things like that. So we saw they had you know the digital flashcards. So how do we turn our practice exam into know, a cheaper version where you can purchase virtual flashcards and do things like that. I I think that H5P is going to be huge for (laughs) going in the future and definitely expands on what you can do within the actual LMS. You know, I'm I'm really big on the fact that we really have advanced in our online synchronous offerings um, from the pandemic that, that we no longer have have to worry about people using cameras and our members are more comfortable with, you know, a live or even a recorded uh, online meeting. Do you see that? And are you considering course formats that maybe use some of the virtual meeting type assets? It's something, yeah, we have talked about, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, with our use of the sub portals is 
how do we maybe utilize that to do live more live meetings, uh, go to meetings, Zoom meetings for our delegates across the country within their different state societies? You know, that um, can we bring in special guest speakers, do more in-person type trainings, even utilize it in a live sense of if you are a phlebotomy tech, you know, how do you uh, administer shots and do different things like that and actually show that um, live to students, things like that. I think those are, you know, areas that we're really going to look into in the future. Good. Yeah, we're seeing more and more of our clients doing like a day or two day workshop using the virtual event type format. So they're really creating a product piggyback on the success of some of the virtual meetings uh, that we've all seen and actually create a course in that that vein of, of a virtual type meeting. John, you shared you shared your history, all the experience you've had with different LMS, kind of the journey you had to get there. What can you tell us about the difference between the corporate side of working in an LMS and the association focused side? Really, when you think about it, everyone will probably think LMS, learning management system, they're kind of all built the same for the same use. And they're they're really not. There's just two different divisions. Um, there's really kind of maybe five main points that I have of what would be the difference in those. So the first one is kind of the language between the systems. So on a corporate side, you're going to see more language around this, the branding and the functions. Uh, it's more focused towards the in, internal employees. It's really more mandatory learning at that point where, okay. like I mentioned, like in healthcare, we had so many trainings that people had to have each year. You know, you have stuff like HIPAA and other things that HR demands every year out of your employees. So that's really what it was focused on and kind of pushing that where you have on the association side, it's like with us, it's more of a voluntary need. You know, we have to figure out mm -hmm. ways to get people to come there and take the training and want to take it from us. And how do we keep them engaged or give them the pricing, things like that, that they need to be able to stay certified and continue in their field. So really um, kind of with the language in between them, you're going to just see a little bit different branding and functions between the two. I kind of touched on the second one, you know, the voluntary versus mandatory learners. You're always going to see that in a corporate LMS, it's going to, always going to be more mandatory training. And then it's going to be more of the voluntary training in the association side. Another big thing is the free First, the commerce, you know, if mm -hmm. you're working for a business, they're going to give you your training for free. You know, business is going to take money out of your paycheck for you to get certified in HIPAA or anything like that. So that's kind of a thing. You don't have to worry about that on their end, as opposed to having the e-commerce that we have to work with of, you know, how do we price this out effectively to our members where they're going to want to come here and purchase, you know, coming up with pricing strategies. And then also how does that e-commerce work with, like you mentioned, searching and having that all set up, cataloging, and then just the speaking back and forth between systems. So that's a, definitely a big change for me and handling that. You know, I've had to learn how to do refunds and other stuff in our systems, things like that, that I normally would never have to deal with from within a corporate system. Moving into that, that's kind of the difference too, where on an association side, you're going to be working with an AMS system more than likely. That's going to be your main customer base. And then on the corporate side, you're probably going to have an HCM or an HRIS type system. That's they're 
going to do the same thing, but they're not meant for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Really with our AMS, we have to focus on certifications. How do we make sure people are staying certified? When do those dates come up? Keeping, you know, clean records of everybody's courses that they've taken and going, you know, who's a member, who's a non-member, things you're probably not going to see on, um, a corporate side through one of those systems. And then, yeah. And then the last one, like I mentioned a few times was continuing education versus compliance training. So the people that we see coming in and what we focus on within the LMS is the continuing education side of it, which one time has to feed back to the AMS, where when you have compliance training, it's usually just kept within the LMS itself. You just have somebody run reports. They don't really have to have that compliance or any of those advanced integrations like that to work with it. Continuing education emphasis versus compliance emphasis. Does, how does that change the way you build courses? And the way the courses look. Really, when I look at building a course, there's always that same strategy. You're always going to come back to instructional design, your ADDI model, making sure that you're going through and analyzing and you know picking out who it's going to be for. But we, we really have to focus a lot on just who our uh, audience is. You know, that's really what it's based on so that we see more people in healthcare. We want to make sure that we're using SMEs within a healthcare environment and having them come through. We utilize a lot of nurses, doctors, other people that come in and are more our subject matter experts where the design team really just takes it and builds it out. I would have to say, I mean, we try to do a little bit more interactive learning just because of the stakes that we're having. I think you know, when you're building the corporate training, it can be a little bit more straightforward, you know, click through it more PowerPoint based where we'd want to see more interactivity uh, within the uh, association. What I'm getting at in terms of differences is that typically corporate, you're used to, you know, these on-demand modules. Now with Core Stage LMS, you know, you're able to build out a sequence of activities. Now it could be a, it could be a sequence of on-demand SCORM files, but it could also be, you know, utilizing the, you know, some of these assessment features of Core Stage. Do you, are you primarily using, um, you know, like a storyline on-demand just by itself, or are you creating multiple learning activities in the course stage frame? Really right now, it, it is a lot of articulate storyline. That's our main use tool that we use. So right now that that's mainly what we do is we package an articulate file where we are building out the quiz within the actual LMS. So that's one of the big things that we see an advantage of using web courseworks as opposed to building quizzes, you know, into an articulate or a SCORM file where if you take them, we have no control over what people are seeing, what they're answering. So having that ability and that function within the LMS is great because we can go through and if we see you know, 100 out of 200 people are missing a question, we can be like, well, why are they missing this? Do we need to go mm -hmm. through and revamp this? Um, so having those advanced analytics there within the quizzing. And like I mentioned, we're looking into the H5P. I think Matt mentioned that you've seen a 35% increase. And is that 35% increase in the number of users in the amount of money you've collected? Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, um, definitely. So when I first came on, like I mentioned in 2019, we were seeing, I think it was about 15 to 16,000 annual users within the LMS. And 
we made the decision to upgrade to our Carnegie platform. And since then, we've seen it almost double. We're on pace now this year to see our most ever close to 30,000 members that are logging in and utilizing our training. So, I mean, a a huge increase there that we've seen. And I think a lot of that comes back to, as I mentioned before, really viewing our business rules and figuring out what's keeping people from coming back to us. So giving people more opportunities to take quizzes besides just one. Um, And along those lines, we did have, you know, a slight price increase. But what we've seen from the price increase is that we're actually seeing more courses sold than before because they have the opportunity to take three quizzes, things like that, that, and there's no expiration dates. So nobody's really worried about, oh, if I don't get this done in 30 days, I lose access and I'm out money and things like that. So giving them confidence that when they come to us, that they're going to get top quality training and at affordable prices, but also make it fair for them to be able to go through, you know, we're definitely not in the business of having people people fail so we get more money. We want them, everyone to be successful. So that's really where we looked at our business rules and how do we um, get our members up to that successful level. So can you talk a little bit, John, about your pathway to 50,000 learners. What, what do you hope to do in the future to increase the number of learners going forward? Yeah, great question. You know, um, so some of the things we talked about before that we have coming up is the sub portals and hopefully being able to utilize that with our state societies and to get any members within those societies that aren't currently coming back to us. For that, uh, we've talked about the possibility of looking into subscription models, things like that, that are kind of the hot topics that are going around within associations now. And then utilizing, you know, how do we utilize the LMS along with our enhanced ID team? You know, how do we, you know, put out more training just to get people excited? I think, as you mentioned before, doing things that are going to be a little bit more interactive, like more workshops, webinars, things like that, that are going to pull people in will really help uh, improve our customer base. And then having a shift, I know we were going to look into going mobile this year with the mobile app there. I think that will help people that want to get in on that level and you know, having that shift towards our younger base and really getting them excited about it. Awesome, John. I think it's really exciting to be a, a partner with you uh, on your business, your online learning business adventure. And it's really exciting to see such great success and I appreciate your, um, your, you know, being a customer of ours. Thank you. And uh, it's neat to have people that are growing and hiring more instructional designers and coming up with ways to get um, to get more people into the system. So thank you. Yeah, you know, thank you guys. You know, it's, it's been great, you know, working with WebCourseWorks and we're really excited about all the new features and everything that you guys are doing to help grow the platform, you know, because everything you guys do reflects and, uh, you know, what we're doing for our members. So. Great.